Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Existential Delight. Today we kick off something new here on the channel in which I invite people on and we have a conversation. To kick things off, the inaugural guest is Mr. Owen Cyclops. He's an incredible illustrator and a very interesting guy. We spoke for just over an hour about everything from New Age thought to Christianity. I've included links in the description to his website and um, his resources where you can find his art. And I really recommend you go and check it out. Let me know what you think in the comments. Consider giving it a like. And if you're new here, consider subscribing if you'd like more content like this. And on that note, we turn now to the conversation with Owen Cyclops. Hi, yes, Owen. happy to be here, man. How's it going? Good, good. Can't complain. So glad that you could come on. I'm a big fan of your art. And I've been itching to have a conversation with you for a while now. So I'm really glad you could be here. Perfect, man. Yeah, pleasure's all mine. Awesome. So for any of the viewers who don't know, you are a very interesting artist, especially in terms of the way you use symbols to convey ideas in your art, especially, and I think it's, it's really nice to see, uh, Christian symbols. Is that something that, were you always using Christian symbols in your art or is it as a result of something that happened in your personal life? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, well, I guess basically the widest possible view of kind of like the arc that I'm on is that I've always been an artist. I'm really like an illustrator. So I'm kind of like not doing fine art, like oil painting, but I really am an illustrator. So I think that's part of like the symbolic quality of it, like conveying information and ideas through pictures is kind of what I do. But um, in terms of the Christian stuff, no, actually. And I think that's part of why maybe a lot of people find my art to be in like an interesting place in terms of like overlapping Venn diagrams. Uh, I guess the shortest answer would be that I used to be really into occult, esoterica, Eastern religious stuff, just kind of the general grab bag of like really weird spiritual things in general. And yeah. then, yeah, I became Christian later on. So then I kind of, you know, stepped into that whole world and obviously it like radically altered my art and everything with it. Mm, wow. That's really interesting. Did the, did the, would you say that the your experiences with the sort of more esoteric side of, of, well, I guess you could say just knowledge, do you think that in some way that actually intensified your, your approach to Christianity when you eventually reached it? Uh, yeah, you could definitely say that. Well, really, the, the way I would phrase it is that, I don't know, it seems really unintuitive, I think to some people, but there is an archetype that I would describe as like the reformed occultist. Um, and mm. it's not just the thing in Western culture. I mean, I used to be way more into Buddhism and Tibetan Buddhism. Um, mm. And even in Tibetan Buddhism, there's this figure named Milarepa. And mm -hmm. uh, he literally is someone who like studied to be like a full on like dark wizard, like summoning like demons and, you know, storms and things like that. And eventually by going along that path so far, he eventually becomes Buddhist. You know, Tibet's a Buddhist society, obviously. So that archetype of someone I feel like who's poking around in like the darker kind of underbelly or maybe they don't even realize it's the kind of darker underbelly. And then they eventually get led to an actual like theological system. Um, mm. That's definitely how I identify for sure. Um, I mean, within the Western tradition, there's like St. Cyprian. He was kind of like a dark magic -y sorcerer kind of guy. He became a saint. Um, and even in more modern times, there's someone named Elphias Levy. Uh, if anyone's mm. seen like the classic Baphomet drawing, if you've ever seen an image of Baphomet, there's like one drawing and like he made it. But uh, eventually near the end of his life, he came to the conclusion that all the like occult rituals and things that he was studying were kind of just cribbing off of the rituals and practices of the church. And he became Christian actually. Um, mm. So there's a lot of people like that. And I definitely see myself as part of that. I wouldn't really call it a tradition, but really it's an archetype. Yeah. So I'm definitely part of that archetype. And, uh, I guess you could say my conversion, if you wanted to call it that, what, which it was, I guess, was really, really unexpected. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of like you're following these breadcrumbs and then it leads you to the most unexpected place. Like if you told me five years ago that I'd be making like Christian art, I definitely probably wouldn't have believed you. Yeah, I can relate, man. And the, the first few pieces of Christian content I released... I was just, the, I felt like I was coming out of the closet of like, um, you know, to all my, all my subscribers, like at least in the religious sense, because um, I, I'd released a lot of content about Alan Watts and, um, you know, I had podcasts where I talked about his message and I just, I think I garnered 
a group of people that were following me and you know i started thinking well i i got to this point where i was like i'm gonna have to do something for me or i'm gonna have to do something to keep these people happy and it eventually gets to a point where it's sort of non-negotiable where it's just so much a part of you that you can't you can't keep it separate from your art because your art is is ultimately an expression of not to get too poetic but the deepest recesses of your soul so whatever's in those recesses is going to come out and uh, i think a lot of people just hear the word occult or they hear the word even esoteric and um i think it's important to clarify that and i mean you'll correct me if i'm wrong but it's to me occult just means hidden it just means knowledge that isn't necessarily um outright known and again that doesn't necessarily mean that every everybody who writes something and calls it occult necessarily represents the whole tradition of what we consider occult um but maybe you can relate to this there was a time in my life where i was really desperately trying to create a system for myself to live and i don't think i was aware that i was doing it at the time but i would like you experience these sort of internal problems or inconsistencies uh, maybe it's problems with willpower or self-control or meaning or reason and then i would desperately like try and find a system Maybe it was alchemy, or maybe it was a, a certain branch of psychology, especially for a time I was really into Jungian psychology. And none of these systems really had the, I think Jonathan Peugeot calls it the metaphysical substructure to carry you. And then um, I can really relate to what you said about, you know, if someone had told you five years ago you'd be a Christian, it just, you, you'd be making Christian art, sorry, you would never have believed them. It's it's the same for me. Like I never would have thought that I would find that substructure, that structure of of being in Christianity. And then when I realized it was there, I realized that it's it's so much more depthful than anything I found in. I mean, I've got a book over there, The Secret Teachings of All Ages by Manly P. Hall. Yeah, I, I have it on my it. shelf also. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I haven't read the whole thing because it's a it's a beast. But, you know, like you read sections here and there. And I mean, I think I found more just attending one mass. I found more structure in, in, in the way I view life, the way I view death, the way I view meaning, the way I view the way I approach other people, the way I see other people, the way I see the world, the way I see nature. All of that was just in one in one mass, you know, for me. And so there was this. Finding Christianity was also this sort of realization that I'd been looking for something for so long, and now I've found it, but it's actually even more than I initially thought I even wanted. I don't know if you can relate to that at all. No, definitely. Yeah, I can, I can definitely relate to that, totally. I mean, yeah, there's a lot there. I mean, I think that a big part of what I think draws people into, like, I guess you could say the occult. And yeah, like you said, like, what, is, what does that even really mean? Like the occult? Um, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, poorly fleshed out, like our terminology for everything. But mm. I kind of just see like a big grab bag of things that are kind of just um, hands-on or informational, not really systematized practices. Everything from like mm -hmm. what people would call like full-on like black magic to like kind of weird psychological esoterica to things that are more like new age to kind of like Eastern mm -hmm. ported over into the West practices. So yeah, it's not like I'm thinking of like one, you know, concrete folder where everything's like cleanly squared off. But I think that what draws people into that worldview uh, in some way, at least like, especially for people that are like my archetype, kind of like nerdy, overly analytical people, at least, um, yeah. is that, uh, it is like the fascination with, like you said, building your own system. It's kind of this, you get to step in and say, okay, well, I'm going to cobble together. Like you were saying like, oh, like this parts of alchemy and I'm going to like weld on like these pieces of like this psychological system. And then maybe one person in particular is into like Kabbalah and here's how Kabbalah like stacks into that. And yeah. uh, I think that that kind of cobbling together has like a particular like ideological heritage. Like I kind of trace it back to like Aleister Crowley and stuff like that. But mm. I think that that's part of like the fascination with it. But then also that's kind of why it bottoms out eventually. In um, mm. sometimes painters make a joke where like for acrylic paint, um, if anyone doesn't know, acrylic paint just dries really fast. So the joke is, you know, the the great thing about acrylic paint is that it dries really fast. But the really bad thing about it is that it dries really fast. 
So I feel like it's kind of the same thing with the occult and, you know, kind of cobbling together your own esoteric system, because the good thing is that you get to put it all together yourself. But then the bad thing is that you're kind of just putting it all together yourself and it's like arbitrary in some way. So, yeah, I think that switch from like stacking up these blocks yourself and then you kind of pass over this line. Now you're like, oh, now I've stepped into this completely systematized, integrated, cohesive worldview. Uh, I think Mm. anyone that's experienced that definitely knows what that's like. Yeah, it really feels like coming home, you know. Um, that analogy has a lot of a lot of truth to it. Well, how do you view how do you view the occult and sort of esotericism in general now? Looking at it, looking back at it from a sort of Christian worldview. Um, well, it's interesting, man. Uh, I think it's a mix. I think it's a mix of things that are. Well, I guess before I say that, I should kind of clarify that, like, part of the reason why I like talking about this is that. You know, I never really imagined it would be the case, but I kind of feel like covertly it's kind of being pushed like so hard in just civilization in general. Like, you know, I never really would have imagined that, but I kind of feel like once I kind of took my head up out of the books and was looking around, I kind of would see like shadows of these like Titanic figures like cast and like people around me. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you open up Vice magazine and it's like, you should do this like weird astrology stuff or like tarot stuff or like. You know, whether or not that's good or bad, people can have their own opinion, but it's just kind of weird. You know, you're just kind of like, Mm. why do I go to Urban Outfitters with my sister? She's buying a purse and there's a book about like how to be a witch on the table here. Like, you know, Mm. whether or not you think that's good or bad, you kind of just have to ask yourself, like, why is that the case? So it's part of why I like talking about it just to just to clarify. But um, yeah, you asked me how I view it now. Well, I think it's a mix of I think it's a mix of things that are full on like actually nefarious or corrupting and that could be either because they're rooted in like a faulty premise that that would be the main kind of thing there so there's like a pocket of it that's kind of rooted in these like faulty premises and that could be like lying to yourself about like the nature of reality or how the world works or um sort of like a misfounded or incorrect idea about like how the self relates to the universe or like what god is and things like that And I think those can be kind of like corrupting, you know, it's kind of like putting like bad fuel into your car. Like you might not notice for a while, but eventually it kind of will mess up the whole system. And I think it kind of fans out from there where there's some things where it's like kind of on the line, like maybe it's not, it's probably, it's probably not evil, but it's like associated with bad things. So I don't really view it so black and white, but I think there are a few like, um, sort of like faulty, uh, faulty grounds that people kind of start to build on. That's actually a better metaphor. It's like there's these big patches Mm. of sand, you know, and if you start to build a building, you don't really notice you're building on sand until you're all the way up at the fifth floor and you're like, oh, wait, like things aren't really level anymore. Um, So a lot of a lot of things like that. I used to be really into like Aleister Crowley and, uh, you know, things like that, I guess you could say that would be like the perfect example of kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah, 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 I love that analogy that you used of the sort of building of the grounds. I like to think of it almost like a blueprint. Like if you've got a faulty blueprint, even if you're sincerely trying to build, even if you're building like really, you know, working hard, waking up early, if the blueprint's faulty, the building's going to come down at some point, you know. Um, so you might like, you might feel that you're really, inv- in, in, in how much time you invest, um, ultimately if it's not grounded in anything fundamentally true i think that that's going to come back at some point you'd rather take a a shack on a rock than a castle in the sand right Um, yeah and yeah and the other thing yeah totally uh it looks like the rock and sand metaphor right um yeah but yeah the other thing i think that's interesting is that i've always been even from like my very like youngest days of being you know aware of anything at all like really obsessed with like worldviews and how if you kind of take on a worldview or even just take on an idea Like people think it's kind of like drawing a card from a deck where you just take the card, but it's really not like every idea that you kind of integrate into your life is this huge spider web of implications. And I feel like a lot of times people don't see those implications. And that was something else that I started picking up on when I was still in that world, but kind of leaving it like, you know, you see people pick up these ideas, like, you know, even just something like, um, you know, something like, well, you know, like, uh, like I'm thinking of this guy I used to know, actually, who said, you know, uh, life, you know, it, it doesn't have to really affect you. You know, it's kind of like this pop, like maybe like cribbing like little bits of like um, Advaita Vedanta Hinduism into like Western, like new age where it's like, you know, your life is like something that you're watching on like a screen, you know, and, you know, the mm. screen has fire, but you don't get hot. The screen has ice, but you don't get cold. Like we choose how things affect us, you know, 
And you see people mm. around them being like, yeah, wow, that's so true. Like, definitely. But then, like, you know, your cousin dies. And, like, well, if you really actually oh, believed and internalized that, then you're just yeah. going to run headfirst into a brick wall with no seatbelt whatsoever. And I kept seeing that happen. Like, people kind of, like, putting themselves on these clouds. And then, like, when reality hits, it hits, like, really hard. And uh, that was part of me realizing there was something up with, like, these worldviews and kind of like luring people in with like candy coated poison i guess you could say things like that man i can't i can't really express to you how how much that that lays on to something i was telling someone earlier this week where there was a time when a few years back where my family was going through some real hard times and my mom was like experiencing some like just some she was going through a really rough time and was, we were walking in the garden and she started crying and I, I realized there's nothing my system at the time, which which was this sort of Advaita Vedanta mixed with sort of a kind of Wattsian approach plus, okay, I'll, I'll jump back to that. But I was walking with her in the garden and I just realized there's nothing I can say. This, this, this situation just falsified everything I thought I knew. Um, there's nothing I can, the, it's like, um, what's that expression? That you know, you test you test something by fire, uh, iron by fire, yeah. or and then if it, you know, in that fire, uh, all those ideas and philosophies just completely melted away. And um, I have nothing against any 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 particular person who practices Buddhism, but I I, I can relate to Christ when I'm suffering because Christ suffered, um, and not only did he he didn't, and it's not that Buddha didn't suffer, right? But Christ was betrayed. Christ was humiliated. Christ was the most innocent person tortured in the most horrific way. Um, no one deserved. It's like the most the most heinous crime. And so however however low life is for me, I know that uh, literally, I mean, the God who who I believe in went through that. You know, yeah. so I didn't get that with anything else. It's he stands alone in that in that realm, and it's like it's like you go, man. It's you, I don't want to jump to the next topic just yet, but you you just look at that and you think, well, there's this one. There's here's this philosophy that was developed maybe like 300 years ago, and then there's this guy who hit history so hard that he literally split it in two. It's like, hmm, well. Man, it doesn't mean that he's God, but it, at least a little bit of reason to look into it, right? <laughs> yeah, no, for and, sure. Um, <laughs> yeah, like the relationship of like how to experience suffering and like contextualize suffering was huge for me in terms of all this stuff. Definitely. I mean, since I'm going to talk about it a little bit, I guess I guess I should qualify. Like, I know I don't. I usually don't really talk about Buddhism too much, like on Twitter or anything, just because you know, even when you say Buddhism, like just defining, like, well, are you talking about Zen Buddhism or Tantric Buddhism yeah. or Theravada, you know? So yeah. if anyone's listening and they're like, oh my God, I'm Buddhist and it's not like that at all. Like I get it. Yeah, I'm just kind I... of speaking like loosely and casually and, and term I'm also yeah. really speaking about like the, the pop, um, you know, you're a Western person, you kind of get into it a little bit. That's kind of what I'm talking about. Um, yeah. but yeah, I mean, when I, it, it's really interesting actually, honestly, because when I was kind of in that world of like, I'm, you know, a white guy doing psychedelics, really into the occult, and my kind of basis for this is like what I'm cobbling together out of Buddhism. I was kind of like that stereotype, like times a million. It was really interesting because honestly, I really was never sad about anything really ever. I was kind of happy like the whole time. And mm -hmm. I really think in retrospect, it's because it's like a really nice kind of narrative to put on things if you really strap on the helmet and like put on the glasses and you're like, Okay, well, actually, like all suffering in the universe, it's kind of like um, it's kind of like a glitch, you know, it's kind of like a computer error. Like we're stuck mm. in this samsaric world of cycles and stuff like that. And like, you know, your dog gets hit by a car and it's just like kind of a glitch. It like shouldn't really have happened, but it happens because, you know, you're stuck in this weird cyclic world. But your dog's going to get reborn and didn't really even exist to begin with. So, like, don't really worry about it. And if you meet someone on the street and they're like really an asshole to you, you can just be like, well, you know, that person's really enlightened and they're just experiencing this momentary like obfuscation that's making them angry at me for no reason. So I really shouldn't get angry at them, you know, and you mm -hmm. kind of explain away everything like that for me. And just you can just walk in this cloud of like, yeah, everything's great. And when it's not, it's kind of just an illusion. Right. 
And like I said, yeah, I really wasn't sad ever for yeah. a really long time. And you were talking about the time with your mom. You know, I really can relate to that because it sounds like a little psychopathic, but it's really not. It's more just like being like an awkward person. But yeah, I found that during that time, you know, when people would talk to me about like sad things or bad things that happened to them, like I really cared and I really felt bad, but I kind of had this subconscious energy of like, yeah, that sucks what do you, there's nothing we can do about it. So kind of like, why are you telling me? Like, I get why you're telling me. Like, I would never say that, but you know, subconsciously, mm. like you're saying, like your mom's crying there. And if you don't have, if you don't have it integrated in your world, do you how to like react to that? You're kind of just like, okay, like, yeah, that sucks. And I really like avoided sad things and sad topics and stuff like that. But now mm. I have like a totally different relationship to it. Like I really understand like how suffering is integrated into life. And like when someone around me is suffering, suffering, I have like a totally different relationship to it so yeah. yeah i mean i could go on about that but i feel like that integration and like an accurate view of it um was huge for me definitely yeah um yeah we could talk about just that one topic for like hours but i i want to i want to move on to something else now which i think is cool. also pretty interesting and i've never actually spoken to anyone about this because i've just never had someone i could talk to about it but um there was a time when i was going to cytron's festivals <laughs> um i should add this beautiful chesterton quote he said, um, every living Christian was once a dead pagan. And, uh, <laughs> right, I love it. And that was me. Um, so I was, I was attending these uh, Cytrons festivals and very, very new age. I mean, I'm in South Africa and I could relate to what you were saying about being in a store with your sister and then seeing like a book on how to be a witch. It's like, that's, I mean, like maybe 10 years ago when I was growing up, there was like Christian um a lot of Christian stores, you know, Christian merchandise and stores. We have these sort of generic home stores, like, um, you know, you could just go and buy like things for your house, like bookshelves and mm -hmm. uh, plants and etc. I won't mention any names, but <laughs> like when I was younger, there was like a lot of Christian imagery. And now, I mean, the other day, there's just Buddhism everywhere: Buddha statues, Buddha paintings, Buddha everything. And it's not like a it's not a niche store. I mean, it's like the general supplier. And so it's like there are these these ideas do do come into society. They do reflect what people are buying. And so the the world around you changes based on the ideas people integrate into their lives for better or for worse. Right. Yeah, um, but anyway, so I'm at this Cytron's festival and a lot of new age people. And one thing I noticed very keenly, and this is when I was in that world and I was like, I was, you know, listening to, um, you kind of like just on Joe Rogan. I was on Joe Rogan every day. I'm listening to <laughs> Alan Watts lectures at night. I'm, you know, weed is involved, psychedelics, and I'm attending Cytrons festivals. And I think, um, you know, this is, this is where it's at. This is what life is about. I don't think totally. anything in life felt as like, that was like the point of life like go, attending the next festival because that's where you really got to just enjoy life. You don't have to worry about anything. But I would like sit and talk to people. I remember sitting with this one guy and he seemed like, I didn't know him, but a nice guy. We're sitting and we're talking and and then he says to me, we're having this really interesting conversation. At some point he says to me, you see those tables over there? And I go, yeah. And he says, you know, if everybody just believed that tables floated, those tables would be floating. And I sort of got hit out of this, like, wait, wait, what? And um, I think he saw on my face, I was still trying to be polite, but I think he saw on my face that I just, I couldn't follow him where he was going. And then you talk to the next person and they have their own belief system that they've constructed, like you were saying earlier. And it's completely different. There's similarities, but it's different to the next guy and the next guy and the next guy. And you realize that all anybody has in common here is that they smoke weed. And, um, <laughs> right. And there's no, there's no unity. And Terrence McKenna actually ran into this problem constantly with his, I mean, even McKenna, just if you would give a lecture, at least, I mean, look, there's probably, there's always going to be someone out there who considers themselves an expert in a topic, right? And there's going to be some guy maybe who's an expert in McKenna, who's been, who's read all of his books and, and he might, he might disagree with me. So again, I should just a caveat. I'm speaking very very casually but like it seems to me that he also ran into that problem of like people are just 
there's there's such a lack of structure. And so when I saw that, um, you can't talk to anybody about anything. You can't talk to them about suffering. You can't talk to them about, you know, I remember once at a festival, somebody was like having a really bad time and I couldn't even like, I don't even know where to begin to comfort her because I don't know what anything is grounded in for this person. Like what do they base their assumptions on? And the more I was in these situations, the more I realized how these, um, there's a lack of, there needs to be a certain level of, of structure. I mean, even for everybody to be here and to be at the party, we had to have structure in parking our cars. We had to have structure <laughs> in buying tickets. Um, so we have structure to allow us to get to the point where we can abandon structure. But you can't have a system where you've abandoned structure and think that you can still have structural lives within that, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, totally. So, I can definitely relate to that for sure. Yeah, I used to hang out in like a lot of like really hardcore like psychedelic circles and stuff like that. And I feel like <laughs> that kind of is like something that kind of pops up every now and then, but no one really, like since there's no one trying to do like the systemic theology of it, you don't really encounter it too much. But then like you're saying, yeah, you're talking to someone and they're like, all right, I'm going to go outside and uh, I actually just, I actually just talked to this tree for like 45 minutes and you're like, oh word, like, huh. And you kind of want to unpack like, so you're, you act, you're actually like, you know, on that page and like, you know, is everyone else on that page? But yeah, I can definitely mm. relate to that for sure. Yeah. Like you have a longing to make things cohesive, but then just nothing, nothing comes together. And, um, you know, I, I think in some ways that is one of the biggest appeals of Christianity is that, but it's not like, I think this is a misconception. People think it's like, oh, so you've just like, you don't have to think anymore. You just embrace this thing so that you don't have to think. It's like, not really. It's kind of like, I've been thinking about it for like forever. And it's led me to the point of realizing that I, I kind of, I found something that doesn't stop me from thinking, but actually gives structure to my thinking. Do you think that's a fair, a fair way to put it? Totally. Yeah. Well, I definitely, yeah, I definitely relate to, uh, the last part of what you said also, where it's like, I think that if I didn't like fully explain it to someone, then yeah, it would kind of sound like, well, I was like really confused and everyone was kind of saying all this different stuff. And then this guy came along and was like, well, here's this book that explains everything. And I was like, oh, wow, that must be true then. Perfect. Like, this makes everything so simple. And I think that's mm. kind of like the caricature of, like, converting to Christianity, honestly, is that it, that's that's basically how it's, like, caricaturized of, like, oh, yeah, well, you know, if this guy if this guy says he has all the answers, then, well, why not just believe him? And then we have all the answers. Like, that's so great. But, um, yeah, along with where we started about that, like, whole reformed occultist thing, like, yeah, for me, it was... Um, it was really like the most unlikely thing that I never saw coming ever where I really just had reasoned myself to a conclusion that was like so close to Christianity that it actually really, really caught me totally off guard. And um, mm. I, I actually really, I actually really remember you know, It's probably interesting. I, I had this, it was like one particular moment where I had kind of like taken these steps where me like falling away from, you know, all the, the, the worldview that we're kind of describing, it was basically like shutting doors and I would take just like one step further out. Um, just to kind of go through it a little bit, I guess, is that uh, with the Buddhist Please. stuff, what I finally found was that, yeah, what I finally found was like, it wasn't really a break in terms of like the worldview, although I started to not really believe in reincarnation, but that's kind of like subjective. I, I didn't have like one philosophical reason for that. I just kind of didn't really think it was true anymore, which is not really like a philosophical defense. But I kind of felt like within the like pop Buddhism world or even the Buddhist philosophy stuff I was doing, I did go kind of hard into some Buddhist philosophy just for the record. Not that I'm like an expert, obviously, but I kind of felt like it wasn't addressing like what became my two main questions, which was which were why does evil exist? Like why are why are evil things like happening? And yeah. then also where did like the universe come from? And actually in Buddhism, there's something called um man, I forgot the Sanskrit name, but I would sound so smart if I remembered it. But there's something called the four imponderables. And supposedly there, there are these four things Buddha said that you just shouldn't think about because they're not going to help you get enlightened. And one of them is basically where the universe came from, because you're not going to figure out it out and you're not it's not going to help you get enlightened. So it's kind of like off the table mm -hmm. in Buddhism, in my opinion. And same yeah. thing with evil, like they talk about why bad things happen, but it's, it's usually in terms of like, well, your past life, like your karma and this stuff. And so mm -hmm. I kind of like started to it was kind of like I stopped hanging out with Buddhism because it wasn't addressing like those questions. And mm -hmm. then uh 
same thing with the occult stuff. So after that, I kind of turned to Western occult and I was like, oh, well, I have my own backyard of like spiritual practices and, you know, little weird underground things I can poke into. But then the same deal kind of happened where I was kind of like, you know, I feel like I'm figuring out this stuff about good and evil. And like, is this stuff on like the good team? I'm kind of reading about like these demons and stuff. And these guys seem kind of weird. So I was floating for a while where I was like, man, I really don't know what to think about anything. I'm kind of skipping over a lot of steps just to keep it brief. But yeah. I had this one moment where I was like sitting in my room and I was like, all right, so what, I, what I've reasoned out is like, well, I've reasoned out that God definitely exists for, you know, two or three reasons that I guess we could go into. And I was like, but, you know, it's not this like apophatic, like totally vague, like fuzzy cloud God of like nothingness. Like God cares about stuff and like cares about humans to some extent. And I was like, mm. but, you know, like God is so big and like all encompassing and like beyond human conception that if God did care about humans, then he would have to have some kind of like form that was made so that humans could like comprehend it. So there's like this big all encompassing, like making the universe God, but he also would have to have some like emanation that was like able to interact with like human life. And I guess if he cared about humans, he would have to like come to earth, like at some extent. And then I had this moment where I was like, wow, like I'm actually describing Christianity. Like that's crazy. I remember exactly where I was. I was in my room. My room was really dirty, obviously, because I still wasn't Christian yet. And I was like, wow, that's nuts. And it was, it was like a huge pivot point for me because I was like, wow. And there were a few other things too, coincidences that had been stacking up. And that was the moment where I was like, okay, I've been tabling all these coincidences, but now the pile of coincidences is so large that now it's mm -hmm. like too much for me to just write it off. Um, sometimes the metaphor I use for people, if anyone's ever gone into, I, I really hate this term, but if anyone's ever looked into anything that is sometimes characterized as like a conspiracy theory or something, even just something simple like banks, you know, having power on in the world or something obvious, you never get like a piece of paper that says like, hey, banks have a lot of power. It's like you find all these clues and eventually you have this pile of like 2000 clues and you're like, OK, I mean, I can't write this all off. That's kind of how yeah. it was. For me. Yeah, man, I can so relate. I, I, the analogy I tell people is there is no silver bullet. It's it's a gradual like um at least for me as well, it was it was like this indication here, this hint here, this experience there, this this thing that happened there, this and the more I studied history, you know, the more you go back into it, the more you it's it's it, there's there's like you say, thousands of clues that sort of all point in one general direction. And then the closer you get to that direction, the more you realize that they're they're oddly specific. And yeah. then you get to a point where it's like they're so specific that it's almost it, it starts it starts taking more faith to not think that something's going on. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, exactly it's, what it is. It becomes more of a leap to say, you know, this pile of arrows all pointing to this point means nothing. It becomes more of a leap to like disregard it than to like accept that it obviously like means something. Exactly. And then um, one thing you mentioned that I really quickly want to touch on is what you said about karma and how, you know, you do something bad. It's like, well... Well, you know, uh, karma will find its way. And karma was actually instrumental in me actually seeing Christianity as, again, not a silver bullet, but one of the many things. I realized that karma doesn't really explain things as well as grace. Because there's this, there's this really great saying, let's hope, that we, let's hope that we get what we need. And that's it's it's I'm sort of paraphrasing. Let's hope that we get what we need and maybe we'll get what we want. But let's pray that we never get what we deserve. <laughs> yeah, because if we get what we deserve, boy, so you look around and you look at people and you think if we were getting what we deserved. I mean, I just don't see that. I, instead, I see people getting not what they deserve. I see grace everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. Totally. Yeah, yeah. And it's like I suddenly realized like grace explains things so much better than karma. At least at least that was my experience with it. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, totally. Well, yeah, with the karma and reincarnation thing, well, for a long time, I really did think that that was 100% real because mm. it fit in with my whole worldview, um, kind of like faux shamanism, psychedelics plus Buddhism. I was like, yeah, reincarnation, like, this totally makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> um, when I, I, it's kind of, it's kind of a funny story actually, but when I ultimately really fell out of it, like I said, it's not really philosophical, but I was actually at this science museum and they had this like very realistic, almost like hologram, like diagram thing next to a video. And they were showing one of these, it's called like a rotifer. 
it's kind of like a slug multiple cell but not too many little bag organism and you can like see the organs and it's like really really tiny and i was watching it eat this thing on this like video hologram and it's like the most like disgusting like wretched like low creature on the earth probably and i was looking at it and i was like you know i just don't feel like it's on the table for me to die and come back as one of these things i was like i really just don't and i kind of like was like do i really think that i'm gonna i could like come back as like a worm and all this stuff which like i said is not philosophical but that was kind of when i started to be like i'm talking about this a lot but do i really think i'm gonna come back as like a tiger like i really don't feel that way um but in terms of like the you know grace and like do we get what we deserve and karma and all that stuff well yeah i mean that, that was one big like domino falling for all of it for me too was that like i said like aside from the art i'm really like a worldview guy and kind of like obsessively playing out like the implications of worldviews and stuff like that mm. and yeah i feel like the biblical or christian worldview whichever you want to say it really the most accurately describes kind of our day-to-day -day situation suffering goodness and things like that and mm. i feel like the picture it paints I just couldn't stop coming back to it, even before I subscribed to it, as being like the most accurate. You know, again, like I only keep coming back to Buddhism because that was like my like systemic theology before I like became Christian. Yeah. But yeah, if you're playing with this game of like, well, yeah, it's all karma. So like your friend got hit by a car, but maybe it's because last lifetime around he, you know, did something really shitty. You know, I mean, if you really commit to it, that's kind of kind of harsh, honestly. Like, do you really feel that way? And then also, you know, suffering, life is like in Buddhism, like life is suffering, basically. So you have to try and escape and like get to nirvana. And like, that's a whole like 19 hour podcast unpacking that. But yeah. I kind of got to this point where I was like, yeah, I really don't feel that way. Like on the one hand, I don't feel like suffering is caused by like this weird past life situation. And on the other hand, I don't really feel like life inherently is suffering. I feel like that's like a little too harsh. And yeah, I feel like the biblical worldview is the most subtle, but also like the most accurate where it's like, yeah, well, the world is kind of blessed because it's infused with god's presence and like creation is inherently good and like i do feel like that's true like you know you go outside mm. and you look at like a bush and it's like pretty awesome but then also yeah. like you're saying like you know bad things happen and you know we live in this fallen world where people don't exactly get what they deserve and sometimes that's benevolent like it's grace but then sometimes like book of ecclesiastes style like yeah some evil dude is going to get rich and like you live in a fallen world like guess what buddy like that's how it is um yeah so, yeah, I started to feel like I, I, it was almost like I slowly shifted over. And then I was like, man, this like guy telling me about his worldview, that guy being like Christianity. I was like, that guy's making like a lot of sense. And I keep going outside and I just keep seeing what he's saying, lining up one after the other. So, uh, yeah, I forgot how we jumped onto that. But, yeah, definitely. I feel like oh, the whole like good how it fits in with everything was a big part of it. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned the problem of evil. Uh, sin really, really, we hear it so much, but sin really, uh, for me as well, really got to the meat of it. It really got to the meat of the bone, especially about like sin being a like when you see evil, it's kind of a it's a lack of the good. It's like a privation. So like it's like a tooth is good, but then the cavity is like eating away at the goodness. But it's fundamentally something correct so it's like you know lucifer was a fallen angel so it's like original goodness uh sort of how would you say corrupted and yeah. what's great what's great about that worldview and this is something that something that i think and you know somebody else might have had a different experience but for me the hope that comes with that wasn't present in in buddhism for me and i, I don't want to make this sound like Everything is, I'm, I'm, it's not like I'm contrasting Christianity to Buddhism, but like you, it was, it was largely my, 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 it was my worldview basically before fully going, you know, fully going towards Christianity, uh, you know, head first. But, um, yeah, I think that, I think that tension is kind of like what par is part of what gives the Christian worldview its power for sure. That tension between mm -hmm. like, well, we live in a fallen world, but God is good. There's actually this word, I think it's called, I think it's pronounced karma leapy. Um, mm -hmm. that some Eastern theologians, I think I heard that they invented it for this purpose, but I don't speak Greek, so I can't tell, but it's the feeling of being happy that you live in a world infused with God's presence, but then also being like sorrowful that you're like distant from God for your whole life. So I think that tension of like, you know, yeah, it's blessed, mm -hmm. but we're also kind of cursed also. Uh, I think yeah. it's part of what gives the Christian worldview its power to explain like how we experience life and sin and all that stuff. Yeah. Karma leapy, you say. Yeah, C-H-A-R-M-O-L-I-P-I. That's a guess, but it definitely starts with cool. C-H. You'll get close enough if you Google that. <laughs> cool, I'll check it out. And yeah, it, it gives you also like the idea that that eventually everything's going to be made right. 
um, is also immensely hopeful. Like, um, like it, it, it brings a sense of joy. Like there's this, like, I didn't realize how restless I was until I really got what the Christian worldview was trying to say. Like there's this moment of, I mean, you still have anxiety, of course, and you still have worries, but you get to this point where it's like, if you really understand what this is trying to convey to you, it, the, the, the consequences is a much more, I don't know, I just say a, a deeper sense of, of being okay with the world. And you realize that um, really the approach to life is not necessarily optimism or pessimism because, um, what's that line? The optimist thinks that everything in the world is good except the pessimist. And the pessimist thinks that everything is, gra- is, is bad except himself. And um, having an optimist or a pessimist view of the world is kind of like, I realize it's not really the right approach to have because you're a part of this world before you get to decide if you want to be a part of this world. If we had come from some other world, then maybe we could go, well, and um, I'm kind of paraphrasing G.K. Chesterton here, but if you came from another world, you could go, well, the the beautiful mountains kind of do make up for the angry dogs and um you know you could compare and be like i guess that's a reason to be optimistic but you're already a part you're already enlisted in the army or you're already fighting in the war before you even enlisted in the army you're so the attitude towards the universe and christianity is is less optimism or pessimism and more something more like patriotism it's like a, a, a i have an allegiance to the world and if the world is broken uh the point is that when something is good, you love it, but when something is is wrong, you love it more because it needs more love, which is such a deep idea, and it completely changes the way you see everything and that like for me when when I realized that yeah like i'm I belong to this world, but and this is kind of aligning with a lot of what Alan Watts would often say. You know, he would say things like, "You didn't come from somewhere else; you come from this world." It's like, yeah, you're 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 not. You didn't come from somewhere else. Like you 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 have an allegiance to this world, and the the right way to handle it is 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 obviously with gratitude, but it's also a sort of a sort of a love for it. And when it's broken, a deeper love. Men, uh, Rome. Men didn't love Rome because she was great. She was great because they loved her. It's that that sort of idea. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah, well, yeah, I think I think there's a lot of like interesting like really really like like fine lines and like trying to figure out like exactly like how to like parse it out and stuff, but for me a lot a lot of my journey with that, with a lot of that has been at first when I was looking at the church kind of like dealing with like heresies and stuff like that. Mm. You know, at first you kind of have like the conception of like Wow, these guys like these guys are really angry about like everything. Like chill, but I feel like especially going back through it as someone who is like figuring out their worldview, it's kind of like what you're saying. It's like it's kind of like playing out the implications of of each of these little posits. Like, oh, here's this one heretic who said like X, Y, and Z, and then the church is like, well, the thing is though, if you think that you're going to end up going down this road, and like the Gnostics are like a perfect example. Like, yeah. I feel like trying to you, you know what is it like the road is is a uh, it's like a thin road, basically. But the point is, like, it's really easy to kind of veer off. Like, you're like, oh, the world has fallen. But then one inch over to the left is like, oh, so we're Gnostic and, like, the material world is bad. And it's like, well, well, it's mm. not really that exactly. Like, and we veer back on the road and then it's like, oh, so, you know. Um, yeah, anyway, my point is that I feel like it's really easy to kind of, like, veer off the road. And, again, that kind of hooks into, like, my obsession with, like, worldview and, like, implications of things and things like that. So, yeah. Do you see, do you see when you're doing your art, do you see... Because I've often found when I'm doing something, um, I recently took up painting. My fiance and I are sort of trying to figure it out now, but we're very, we're very bad. I'm not about to be posting my art, <laughs> <laughs> but um, when I when I do it, it's 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 very meditative. So mm-hmm. it's almost like prayer. Do you find sometimes when you do art, there's a sort of there's a sort of meditative uh, mindset or a, a prayerful mindset that comes along with it? Well, it's a really interesting question. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is that for me, my art making practice has always been 100% completely integrated with my spiritual life. So they're literally mm-hmm. one thing, 100%. Um, 
Um, wow, that's awesome. Yeah, totally. It's, and that's always been the case for me. Like even when I was the most into um, like occult stuff or anything like that, like the expression of that was me doing my art. And I think that's part of why I got into things like, you know, chaos magic and, you know, things like that where it's like, oh, you know, when you do anything, you are, you're actually altering reality. And then when you alter reality, that's kind of like what doing magic is, right? And then for me, it's, it was very intuitive to be like, well, yeah, I go to the store, I buy a bunch of like colored dirt, that being paint. And then I come to my house, I make a little image of like a meditating little Buddha, and then I give it to someone else. And it's like, literally this like magical object that's broadcasting out this worldview and then that can mm. infect and affect them and then they do something differently so all of a sudden you know 30 steps down the road some like dog is getting adopted from an animal shelter or something because i took this colored dirt and made this image of like this little meditating indian guy so for me yeah. it was all very easy to integrate um especially with like shamanism and stuff like that you're, like you, know, you look at a shaman and he's like yeah, I made this mask. I mean, I don't know if he would explain it this way, but like, you know, I made this mask so that during a ritual, I can embody or become this deity and people will interact with this deity. And I'm painting in my room and I'm like, yeah, dude, tell me about it. Like, that's, it's a direct line to like what I'm doing, like in my mind. Um, so yeah. they've always been like totally married. So I think sometimes when people ask me that, you know, I think like I asked, a, I asked a Buddhist painter that once, like, are you meditating? Like when you're painting? And I think people might imagine that like I sit down and I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this drawing. And this drawing is like a prayer to Virgin Mary, which sometimes I do do that. But it's more that like the expression of my spirituality is the art making practice. And they're not even two sides of the same coin. It's like one object like in totality. Wow. And um, I, I, can, I can imagine you're very, well, I don't know what the right word would be, sympathetic or you're very um, inclined towards the more representational sides of Christianity, such as putting up icons, etc., just because of the sheer autistic element of it. Yeah, well, it depends. Um, I definitely mm. think, well, in terms of like inclined, that could mean a few things. Like mm. I definitely yeah. resonate with that mm. immensely. I mean, I, I don't, in case anyone, so a lot of people listening to this probably don't know me personally or like on the internet. Uh, I don't, I'm not part of like one particular Christian denomination. I'm kind of like figuring it out, I guess you could say. So just yeah. with that caveat, the first time I went to an Orthodox church, an Eastern Orthodox church, I was like completely blown away. And uh, I mean, I'm very like aesthetically minded and just yeah. seeing all the icons and all the gold. And I mean, it, it literally completely blew me away. I went there for this concert and mm -hmm. I don't even think I, I didn't even listen to the music at all. Like no offense to them, but I was just sitting in this, in this temple in this, you know, nave, whatever you call it, like the big main room of the church. Yeah. And like my eyes were just like feasting so hard just, on all the ornament. Yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't tell you one song. I played on, so I was just <laughs> going so hard on the visuals. So in yeah. terms of resonate with, in that sense, I mean, yeah, a hundred percent. In terms of my own art, it's interesting because I really am an illustrator. So it's kind of interesting. Someone asked me like on, on one of my YouTube painting things the other night, like, oh, you should do like a realistic painting of, um, you know, Virgin Mary and Jesus and stuff like that. So the thing is, I feel like I kind of, you know, know my place in the whole chessboard of things happening. I kind of view myself as a tiny little like super specialized pawn on the whole big chessboard. <laughs> yeah. So uh, in terms of like icons and stuff like that, like, yeah, I really like it, but I definitely see that it's like not exactly my calling if that makes sense like i made a graphic of saint herman of alaska pretty recently and mm. when i made that i really wanted it to land in the space of like this is a cool picture of saint herman and not land in the space of like this is an icon that is meant to embody the spiritual and physical nature of saint herman if you know what i'm saying it's kind of like a pretty big yeah. gap um, we were talking yeah. about one of the virgin mary drawings before it's actually that's actually kind of a perfect example because when i'm doing that i'm like I'm kind of trying to bring the vibe, honestly, mm -hmm. as like weird as that sounds. And but no one would ever look at that drawing and think, oh, this is what this person thinks Virgin Mary literally looked like. This little like oval face, like kind of like simple drawing. So, yeah, resonate in one sense for sure. But then on the other hand, like I really do focus on being like an illustrator and landing mm -hmm. in a spot where I'm not. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Kind of, I kind of know my place. I'm not like an oil painter painting the face of Jesus. I'm like a guy doing cool drawings in like the church parking lot. <laughs> yeah. I think that's, that's really, um, that's a huge part of the appeal, especially for me. I mean, it is, there is a lot of, um, well, there isn't a lot of 
the kind of things you're creating, at least not that I've managed to find. So the moment you find it, it's like, wow, well, give me more of this stuff because I just don't. And um, I th yeah, like for me, there is there is an element of the images that we see um, it create an impression for us of of what we actually think. So like, just I send my little um, I send my my younger sister your image of Mary, she, she was like, wow, that's so cool. And, um, she's kind of, her, her response was kind of like, I didn't know there was Christian art like this, nice. you know, kind of like people just aren't used to it in that sense. Um, cool. and that's in some ways that's, that's sad, but, but it's also great that it's, it's happening because you will inspire more people to do things like that. And I've found some, you know, here and there you'll see some digital Christian art and you'll go like, wow, this is incredible. I remember seeing this one. Oh, I have to look for it and credit the person, but I, I, don't, I don't know what the name was, but it's like the whole universe and then like the earth being shaped in like a spiral and then right at the center is Christ on the cross and then it goes nice. back down. And it's just like this, there, there is this incredible art, but it's not, people just, at least again, just from my experience, people just don't know about it. So Keep doing what you're doing, man. I really, I'm a big fan. Word. Thanks, man. Um, yeah, actually, so, yeah, there's a few things there that I would definitely want to touch on. Like, one of yeah. them is that, um, yeah, so you mentioned it really quickly, but, yeah, I think part of the reason why I like describing myself as an illustrator is that, for me, the main interest, not, not the main interest, but one of the main interests is how what we think is related to the visual situation that we inhabit and put into our mind. Um, I think that maybe, I don't know if other people underestimate it or maybe I've just thought about it a lot because I'm an artist, but yeah, for humans, like I think that we think that our main, it's gonna sound convoluted, but I think that we think our main thinking sense is verbal, but I think it's at least just as visual as it is verbal. Sometimes I think the visual is actually higher. Um, in a lot of interesting ways, it's actually reflected in our language. Like if you're talking to someone, you know, you might say like, oh, what he was saying wasn't very clear, which is like a visual metaphor or like, oh, can you see what I'm saying? Which is like another visual metaphor. Mm. So we like intuitively understand that like vision is like the main thing for us. Mm. So yeah, as an illustrator, like marrying ideas and pictures together, I think is so powerful and what initially like drew me into the whole situation in general. Um, yeah. It's also uniquely suited for like our time in a way because you know, if you think of like a, a masterpiece in terms of literature, you have to sit down and like read it. You know, it's like 800, 900 pages. But if someone makes a visual masterpiece, like a really great painting, you can just yeah. walk by it. And the second that you look at it, you you take it in. Whether you take it all in or not is debatable. But, you know, it's like yeah. instant almost in a way because your brain just like visually, you know, um, yeah. takes all that in. So, yeah, the ability of like visuals to convey ideas and rope into worldviews and things like that was really big for me. And uh, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, yeah. Asking about we're, we're we, we didn't really explicitly say it, but I feel like we're kind of like towing around like the intersection of like art and like the sacred and things like that. And for me, I think a big part of it is that I kind of picked this up from Hermeticism, which is kind of a it's, it's kind of like a very vague folder. I would honestly say like Hermeticism is kind of like a meme. It's not really like one thing, but that's a whole other thing to go into. Yeah. But uh, some random guy was saying that, you know, we think of like uh the relationship between man and God as, you know, like God made the world and then now humans are like sort of cut out collage style, and like glued onto this painting. But this guy was saying, I'm not saying this is the Christian view, but maybe a tiny bit, but he was saying that God kind of, God made the world, but then kind of left a little bit like undone. And then humans step into that space and have like room to like work a little bit. And mm. whether or not that's like, you know, biblical or not, that kind of is how I think of things in a way like, like, you know, when I'm making art, it becomes like part of the universe and it's a way of like participating in creation. And then if you infuse that with a theological worldview, you know, like an architect mm. making a really great church, I mean, that becomes part of God's creation. So in this yeah. weird way that sounds maybe like a little blasphemous, but isn't really because you could be humble about it. Like when humans create things, you know, we're participating in the act of perpetually unfolding creation that we inhabit also. It's this weird loop where we're participating in the creation that we inhabit. And I think playing yeah. with that feedback loop becomes like very powerful and almost becomes like an esoteric thing, like in and of itself. Yeah. It's like the, the Imago D like we're made in the image of God and God creates. And so we create, 
I mean, totally. I don't think it's, um, um, sorry, did you want to jump in? No, yeah, totally. No, yeah, I agree. It, it seems like there's a role we play in it, you know, um, and our role is, I think sometimes more important than we maybe give ourselves credit for. And I say that really in the most humble way possible that I can say that, but I really want to jump back to what you said about this, the, the role that art plays in the sacred. Because one thing that I think that, especially in the classical world that they really understood, and like anybody who knows me like personally knows that I don't have anything against modern architecture, but it just does not compare to classical architecture. And um, it seems like to me, one thing that the early church really understood was the role of beauty in in the human in the human's life. Um, in our souls, the need for beauty, the need for the beautiful. And so like when you when you when you think about like what comes to mind is maybe the Sistine Chapel. And mm-hmm. you know, just considering just it's it's like you look um and I'm speaking as if I've as if I've been there, right? Because <laughs> I haven't, not yet. But like um just from everything that I've read and seen about it, you know, you'll look up at one piece of art and you'll be like, that's a masterpiece. That's a, that's, it's incredible. And then you look left and there's another one. And then you look down and there's another one. And everywhere you look, you're just, you're just consumed by beauty. And it's like they understood the role that, 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 that art plays. And um, it's kind of, it's kind of sad that the Catholics often get criticized for having images and things like that. Because I was actually raised Protestant and we didn't have any images of, um, you know, God or Jesus or Blessed Mother Mary. It was just um, a cross and, yeah, pretty much just that. And there are reasons for that. There's reasons Protestants, um, you know, feel that you should not have any depictions. But um, I always just thought of it like, you know, if somebody came into my house and, or, or, okay, let me put it this way. If I have a picture of my fiance in my wallet and I miss her and I kiss the picture, I'm not... It, it, it's not that I'm worshiping the picture. It, I, I'm worshiping what it represents, right? I'm, I'm, uh, I'm attached to what it represents. So when you see these beautiful drawings and images of even your, even your art, man, I know you, you really emphasize that you're an illustrator, but when I see your, some of your art, it does instill in me the sense of, of beauty. And it makes me consciously think of these supernatural realities which are always present, but they are not always cognizant. Like you're not always, you're not always actively thinking about them, and mm-hmm. your art does that for me. And I'm not trying to um, blow smoke, but <laughs> this is—I really feel, um, in terms of just like the role that that art has on the sacred and transmitting that to people, it's so so essential. And I think in some ways. I don't know if we're if people are slowly moving back towards that, you know, sort of if I mean even with architecture, I don't know if we're ever going to go back to the impractical but incredibly beautiful pieces of um art. But anyway, um yeah, man. I I would like to just ask you two final questions. Um actually, this is kind of the wrap up unless cool. there was anything yeah, sure. you wanted to touch on with sacred art if you wanted to to make a final point there or anything else you wanted to say? Um, no, I mean, I was thinking of a few things while you were talking. Well, just quickly, I guess, like, yeah, yeah, I I will say one or two things. Like, yeah, I think one thing about that is that that's interesting for me is like, since I did just like, you know, not just, but since I became Christian at a later point in my life, I think that I can kind of view like the different, you know, if you want to call them denominations and kind of see where people are coming from. But yeah, I think that because of where we're at in our time period, there is a point where I'm able to kind of look at it and be like, okay, maybe we went a little bit too far. Like I'm, I'm able to imagine, you know, being like a German peasant and, you know, everyone in your town's really poor and they're giving money to the Vatican. And then you go to the Vatican and see like, you know, some crazy gold art. And maybe you're like, you know, Martin Luther and you're like, you guys really need all this money for this stuff. Like I can see where they're coming from, you could say. But then today, you know, in my town, if I go to an evangelical church, some of them look like, you know, a holiday in, that's a hotel chain. They look like a hotel chain, like conference room or something. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, I, know so I think there's a point where I'm able to be like, okay, I think we went like a little too far here, guys. And yeah, uh, yeah I guess the other thing that, that kind of really, I feel like hits a lot is like, 
I, it took me a while to kind of come around to this, but even in the Bible, like Jesus speaks in terms of images a lot, you know, whether it's the parables, which are basically images or like even visual metaphors, like the lamb of God and things like that. So I think there is something, it's a whole nother like nine hour podcast, but I feel like there is something about the Christian experience that's married to symbolism in a way that is unique that I feel like a lot of us maybe, I think it's maybe because of the tinge of like, we don't want to be like occultist esoterica black magician weirdos but like i think we've kind of maybe stepped away from that too far like even you know i'm not saying it's a symbol as in it's not real but even something Mm. like jesus designating the eucharist like the the bread becomes his body you know what i mean he didn't have to make it bread but obviously bread was chosen for like a reason you know what i mean so i think there is something about the world being infused with like the mind of god and things like that and it becoming like symbolic Mm. in a way that maybe yeah. because of Jungianism or something, I think we've kind of stepped away maybe a little bit too far. But yeah, mm. that's something I think about a lot, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's those are so many great points. Um, the last two things I wanted to ask you is just um, one: where can people find you? Where can people follow you? Where can people view your art? And then I'd also like you, um, if you don't mind, just to tell us which which piece of art that you've created are you particularly fond of? In other words, what is your maybe one of your favorite pieces? Um, and uh, you could just give us those two. I'd love yeah, to know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, um, yeah, first off, the more more clerical things. Uh, yeah, where can you find my stuff? So I'm mostly, my main kind of broadcasting thing is Twitter. Uh, it's at Owen Broadcast. I'm Owen Cyclops on Twitter. Uh, that's like my main kind of feed, I guess you could say. Um, I'm also on Instagram with the same at, it's Owen Broadcast. Uh, I have a website, it's owencyclops.com. Um, and also on YouTube, I do a painting show every Tuesday night called Ophanim, Owen Painting Hour, America, New Image Making Painting Hour, uh, where I just hang out and paint. And I usually, I'm pretty much always doing like visions and symbols from the Bible and stuff like that. And it's a pretty cool time, I think, because I host it. Obviously, I think it's cool. So yeah, basically Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Um, That's basically it. Oh yeah, and also I guess I'll plug, I sell like prints and art and I'm kind of doing more fine art, framed art and stuff like that. So if you go to Twitter, you'll see it there. Um, Oh yeah, anyway, uh, something that I made that uh it's kind of like you didn't say my favorite but that's kind of like what you were getting at something that i'm like really vibing on really hard yeah um honestly it was sometime last year that doesn't mean that the stuff i've made in the last year hasn't been awesome but one thing the first thing that came to mind when you said that was uh i did this image of the temptation of saint anthony and i think that that one sticks out for me just because of where i was at when I made it, um, I'll email you a picture of it. So basically the deal sure. is like, I'm sure some, some people have probably seen it or maybe we'll put it up in the video. Yeah, but, I'll, um, I'll put it up in the video. Yes. Yeah, so there's an, there's a painting. It's really famous. It's supposedly by Michelangelo of the temptation of St. Anthony, where he's hanging in the air and there's all these demons around him and they're, they're pulling on him and there's all these different like weird, you know, multi-faced animal demons and stuff like that. And it was kind of at this time in my life, which was not that long ago, uh, like last year, even now I still wrestle with this, but like, I felt like I was in this kind of middle ground where I had like shed these vices and stuff like that. And, you know, kind of come to terms with like the truth and how I want to live and all this stuff and my family and friends and like literally everything, you know? And I felt like I just had all this stuff like weighing on me, like, you know, just randomly, like I'd be going to get like a cup of coffee and I'd see someone smoking a cigarette and I'd be like, oh my God, smoking weed. I used to smoke weed. That would be so tight. All my friends, when I hang out with them, they're going to be smoking weed and I can't smoke with them. And I have this like anguish, like, and it was like every time I turned a corner, it was like getting hit with like this brick wall of like, and it felt, and I saw that painting and I was like, wow, this is literally exactly what it feels like. You know, I'm in the shower and I'm imagining some argument I had with my aunt like six months ago about like, you know, some random thing, like I'm getting really angry and it's not even happening. So that's really how I felt like that all these demons were like around me. So over like maybe like six months or so, it wasn't that long, but you know, I work on it on and off. I illustrated that picture and each one of the demons is one of the, I turned it into one of those things that I had been like wrestling with. And Mm. it was really like, honestly, like a really, really powerful experience. Um, I did the first one that I did. I won't go through every demon, but the first one was kind of like the most for me because I used to like drink a lot and it's kind of a long story, but I had this thing where I, you know, I actually ended up getting jaundice, but it wasn't from the drinking, but I thought it was from the drinking. So I felt really bad about it because I thought I had like permanently injured myself and like, you know, and it it was kind of like a symbol of like me kind of not caring about life, you know? So, so anyway, I illustrated the first demon and I made it like alcohol and I, I was, I was painting it in I gave it these scales and I went in and I gave it these like yellow eyes 
And uh, I just had this moment where I was like, wow, we just crossed over to like too real. And I was like just looking at this demon on my screen with these like teeth and like these eyes. And, and he's wielding like a beer bottle. and He's about to like hit me with it. And yeah, when I was drawing it, I was like, damn, like it's just that feeling. If anyone makes art or music or writing, like sometimes you have that feeling of like, damn, we just got like too real. And like, that's really how I felt. And then I went all the way around and did, you know, like drugs and anger and depression and all this stuff. And yeah, it was yeah. kind of right at this time where like I was really wrestling with all that stuff the hardest, I guess you could say. I mean, I still do it every day, but yeah, that would be one for sure. I feel like when I made that, I really, it was the feeling like when I finished it and put it online, it was like I took a pen and it was like, okay, that chapter of my life is closed. And now I'm on the next chapter of dealing with all this stuff. And it was a very tangible, like, all right, like now we're on the next chapter and it felt really good. So that's definitely what first came to mind when you asked me that. Awesome, man. Well, I'm yeah. sure I'm sure everybody's gonna go and check out your stuff, and I, I really want to recommend everybody go and check out his art. It's incredible, um, and it's it's different, but in the in the best possible way. Um, you will have you'll be sorted out for profile pictures and wallpapers for like the next <laughs> however long. They're so cool. cool. Thanks, man. And, yeah, I'm still um, at the oh, stage where I'm just and people are responding to it, so I'm really glad you feel that way. Yeah, no, I'm a big fan. Like, and I wanted to say thank you so much for your time and for you're actually the first official guest on my channel so this will be episode number one of whatever i decide to title this new series i'm going to be starting but nice. i really appreciate the time and i really enjoyed the conversation man was, yeah man definitely nice. i hope i hope i set the tone for your guests the inaugural guest i hope i said it well and uh yeah man it was really fun hanging out with you dude uh maybe we'll do this again sometime yeah likewise look forward to it thanks cool. again awesome. Owen. yeah thanks Pleasure. man see you later see you later and ladies and gentlemen thank you so much for your time and uh i'll see you in the next video and uh, have a lovely day. Bye.